Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Today, if you just give me a few minutes, I want to talk about uh, two kind of obviously related themes. One is fullness. Everyone say fullness. All right, turn to your neighbor and say fullness. Uh, I'm going to relate this kind of, I'll do my best to take kind of this, this dominant theme, flesh it out for us. And then I want to relate that to how do we as followers of Jesus enter into the fullness that God has for us. So I'm going to do my best to ex- explain that. And then hopefully if we have some time at the end, which is my, my ultimate goal here, I want to pray for all of us if, if you would like me to do that. So for you. All right. So. But uh, that's, that's kind of my goal. Um, so I'm gonna get, let's get into the text here really quick. So Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to take uh, three different passages, and uh, let's just read through them. Paul, what I love about Paul in his book to Ephesians is that he, he doesn't separate uh, thinking, worshiping, and uh, praying, right? These are not mutual, mutually exclusive things. Paul believes that praying, thinking, worship, worshiping, Go together. So throughout uh, this letter to the Ephesians, uh, you find Paul almost as if he's writing theology, like big concepts about God, and then he goes off into like doxology. You can almost sense in the original language that he's singing, and then he goes into prayer, into praying. How many of you believe in prayer? Okay. So we come to Ephesians chapter one, and um, I'm going to take a look at an underappreciated uh, light motif. In the book of Ephesians, it's called fullness. So Paul is talking to us about fullness, but this passage with another passage uh, is in the context of prayer. So Paul gives us a prayer, and we find in verse 17, this is what he writes, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, imagine that he's praying this, the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope. How many of you want to know the hope to which God has called you, right? So what Paul is praying is that, man, we need a fresh gift of wisdom. Uh, we, we need to see who God is. Paul is making the case that Jesus is not just some wandering rabbi throwing out homespun parables that make people feel better about themselves. No, Jesus died on the cross for us, and now he's risen, and he's enthroned over the entire cosmos. So he's over all things, from angels to armies to protons to whatever, right? Quantum stuff. Jesus is the king of kings, which we've talked about. This is the heart of the good news, right? And the Lord of lords. We find this in Revelation chapter 19. We can see this in Philippians chapter 2. Every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm giving you a ton of scripture. Let's move on. But this is the hope which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So because Jesus is over all things, man, we have available, made available to us um, power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, and what is this immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Everyone say the right hand. In the heavenly places. We talk about heavenly places a lot. I'm not going to get into it. But verse 21, far above. So Jesus is ruling from heaven 
over earth and all of the world of space and time and matter, far above, and this is the rule of Jesus, he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, right, under his feet. Do you believe that? That's the language of domination, right? That's like Antonio Brown. Remember a couple years ago, kicked, like jumped over that kicker and kicked him? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. This is like, man, I own you, right? And so he put all things under his feet um, and gave him his head over all things to the church. Jesus is in charge, which is, verse 23, I believe, which is his body, the fullness. Everyone say the fullness. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 3, we have another prayer, uh, verses 17 through 21. Paul's praying this. He goes, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled. Could you say filled? Filled with all the fullness of God. And then we have this famous passage that we all love. I don't, I'm just not sure we really believe this passage, right? I think some of us kind of cringe. This is verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, we, than all that we ask or think. Do you believe God can do that? According to the power at work within us. To him, right? Not to, to Billy Graham, not to Pastor Ken, not to pastors or leaders, but to him, Jesus, be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. One more passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Read just a few verses here. And do not get drunk with pina colada, Michelob, whatever, wine. For that is debauchery. So Paul is comparing getting drunk with wine. In the ancient Near East, this is a common comparison. He's comparing getting drunk with wine with being filled with the Spirit. So he says this, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled. Everyone say filled. Filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And everyone said, amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your grace uh, this morning. And we thank you for sunshine. But we thank you for life. We thank you, Jesus. You are in charge of all things. So we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. We just love you, and uh, we thank you for all that you are going to do in this moment. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I, I, I want to share a story uh, really quick with you. I don't think I've ever shared the story with you. I, I've shared some of, some of this. Um, if you don't know, I, I grew up in Portland, 
And uh, I think I was about five years old. And just to kind of give you a backdrop, uh, my mom, how many of you love Pastor Connie? Again, I think I, I love my mom. How many love your moms? Come on, come on, come on. How many love your moms? Seriously, my mom, I got the best mom in the world. And you've heard this story um, before. I'm going to kind of give you another um, little story. But, man, we grew up, like, my mom was like a foodie before foodieism was popular. I think she probably was like a quasi-hippie. She would take us to the, the natural health. She gave me the look, the mom look, like, no, 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 son. But we would go to the health food store, and, you know, we just smelled like vitamins, right? And uh, for dessert, uh, she might dispute this, but for dessert, we get carob, right? That horrible, is it? It's a substitute for chocolate, right? So horrible, right? So we smelled like incense and we ate carob. <laughs> and I love my mom. She just, she was the best mom in the world, but we kind of starved. I'm kidding, we didn't. Um, but for us, and how, how many of you are in your 40s right now? Okay, so uh, did I say that too strong? Why are you guys laughing? Is it because Pastor Ken raised his hand or something? Um, uh, if you're in your 40s, man, if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, I don't know if your experience is, was, was like mine, but um, we, it was a luxury to go to fast food, right? So I'm not joking, like going to McDonald's was like going to Disneyland. I, I, man, it was like heaven, right? And we would probably go, again, I'm not being dramatic here, we'd probably go once a year, if that. And so... Uh, with that kind of our backdrop, we, we had a, a guy that stayed with us, I think for a year, I'm not going to name his name, Christopher. Um, he, uh, he was probably 17, 18 years old. He was like my hero. And I don't know what happened when my parents left, and I think they took um, my sisters, and they left me with Christopher. And uh, I remember, uh, so he was like babysitting me, and uh, I remember being really hungry, and I'm like, Christopher, I'm starved. And this is what he said, all right, Chris, let's, let's hop in the car and uh, let's go to Taco Bell. How many like Taco Bell? For me, that was like, I, I can't even think of a word that, I mean, that was like, are you, are you kidding me, right? So I get in the car, Taco Bell's about two, two miles away, and man, I'm, I'm, man, I am so excited. Isn't it when you're a kid, you know, you get that, like, that excitement, you can't contain it, you start to shake, you know? So I'm in his car. He's a 17, 18-year-old kid, punk. Um, I love him, though. Uh, takes, takes us to Taco Bell. So we drive up right into, like, the, like the side of it. We, you know, we park perpendicular. So I'm in the front seat, and I'm looking into the restaurant. Christopher looks to me, and he goes, hey, Chris, um, I'm going to go in. I want you to stay in. I'm going to go get some, some tacos. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, all right, I'll stay here. We're going to go home. We're going to... We're going to eat tacos. I mean, I prefer to go into Taco Bell and have the experience, right? But, hey, well, you know, I'm starved. I'm five, six years old. So he goes into, uh, uh, into the restaurant, and he orders probably eight, nine, ten tacos. And then instead of coming outside, he comes to the window that I'm looking at, and he sits down. Like, my parents probably even know this, right, this story. And he opens up his tacos and he waves to me. Like, I'm a redhead, so I'm really sensitive. So, I mean, that's why I need you to say amen, because he's a little sensitive. Um, anyway, but I, I was in the car, and I'm watching him eat these tacos. I'm starving, right? He's waving at me as he eats. 
these tacos. And I remember I didn't know, I was like out of my mind and, you know, it probably took 10, 15 minutes. It was like the longest like, experience of my life. It, it felt like it took forever. He gets back in the car, we drive home. I think I blacked out. Like, we don't know where Christopher's body is. I, I have no recollection. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I love Christopher. Um, but uh, I, I say that. So we're like, well, why, why are we talking about why are we talking about that story? Well, uh, maybe the story works for you. Maybe it doesn't. But I was thinking about that story this last week. And i got to be honest with you. I think a lot of followers of Jesus feel like me uh, when it comes to the fullness of God. Uh, let, let me just, let, let's, just, let's just play with this idea. I think, man, if we're to say Taco Bell represents or symbolizes the fullness of God, many of us feel like, man, we're, out, we're outside, Right, entering the fullness of God is like a man. It's like it's unfulfilled dream, right? And not that you have like a, a you know a psychopath like not giving you food, but many of us. May, <laughs> sorry, Christopher, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. Like I need counseling. I love you. Um, but I do think on on a fundamental level, I got to be honest with you. I think a lot of followers of Jesus feel like that when we have talk about fullness. When we talk about being filled with the Spirit of God, we, we relate to it more like, well, that's an unfulfilled dream that will never happen, right? Uh, and I want to get to that point here pretty quick, but uh, Billy Graham, you know Billy Graham, American, our American pastor, he said this several years ago. He goes, everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They're hungry for something, right? Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have reoccurring defeat in their lives, Christians are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, and if, if I'm guessing right now, I think there are quite a few of us that if we're really honest, our lives have been defined or maybe shaped more by worry more by anxiety, we're not placing judgment on anyone, more by maybe our problems and our circumstances and our issues and our stuff. And there's, hear me, I'm not judging anyone, but I think we place more emphasis on that than on actually being fulfilled or being filled with God's presence, right? In short, I think a lot of people really struggle with Okay, being filled with God's presence. What, is it, what does that even mean? Well, let me, just, let me start with good news. How many want some good news? Let me just say this really quick. The word with, filled, when you find it uh, in uh, the Bible, it's a spatial term. And it depicts the abundance of things, right? So when we talk about being filled with the Spirit or being filled with anything, as it relates textually to Scripture, uh, it describes in evocative ways the abundance of, of reality. For example... Again, if we look textually, look at different, the ways in which this word filled is used throughout Scripture, uh, it can refer to um, a land filled with idols. It can uh, refer to, in, in the words of one scholar, banks of the Jordan brimming with water. Again, this is just textual references that we find in Scripture. The word filled can also be associated with um, a, densely, a land densely populated with people. It can also refer to the temple walls uh, 
it being filled with the glory of God. So wall to wall, every square inch of the temple was filled with the glory of God. In fact, the Greek word um, for fill is where we get the, uh, the word plethora, the English word plethora. And uh, this word was also used not just in a spatial sense, but in a quantitative sense. Uh, it was used of ships, um, uh, sails billing, billowing with wind. Uh, it also referred to a jar brimming. Could you say brimming? Because we never use it, right? Uh, a jar brimming with, with liquid, a fragrance, fragrance filling a room, um, hills covered with trees. Again, there's this word fill has this quantitative sense to it. So when we come to Scripture, and we're talking about the word fill, again, this is the good news, it speaks of, in many ways, our lives being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when, the, and when the Bible speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it evokes the affirmation pictures, right? These evocative pictures of your life. Think of your life as a receptacle. And think of your life being filled, overflowing with God's presence and his grace. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, in other words, in the words of one scholar, means that there is no longer room to be filled with anything else. Why? Because God doesn't just give you just a little bit. Right? God doesn't scrimp with his healing, his presence, his grace, his wisdom. Right? God doesn't give you just part of himself. God gives all of himself. And he wants to flood your life with, with grace. So when it comes to the entire biblical corpus, we find all these references to being filled all the way back to the Old Testament with the Spirit. In fact, we have one servant, I think in Exodus chapter 35, was filled with God's Spirit and he was filled with wisdom to build the tabernacle. We find that Joshua was filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit to lead the people of God into the promised land. We find, if we fast forward to Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, we have um, the Holy Spirit coming and filling and flooding the entire house with the glory of God. God wants to fill his people with his presence. In fact, when you come to Luke-Acts, Dr. Luke writes, obviously, the Gospel of Luke and writes the book of Acts. Being filled is his favorite theme. I think he uses it maybe 22 times, maybe conservative number, at least 20 times. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, we find that Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit. He is filled with faith. He is filled with grace, and he's filled with power for signs and wonders. 20, at least 20 times in Luke and in Acts, we find the people of God being filled. Could you say, be filled? Be filled. Let me just say this um, as I want to prepare us for um, my big idea here today. But being filled is a little bit of an excursus. But being filled implies that as Christians, it's possible that we have the Spirit and we are filled but not. Be filled implies the possibilities, in other words, that Christians are in their daily experience, not filled with all that God has for them. So let me just ask you this question right now. What are you filled with today? What are you filled with today? In fact, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Luke makes the case that you can be filled with wisdom, you can be filled with power, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, his presence, his grace, but you also can be filled with something else. 
Acts 5, verse 3, we find that Ananias and Sapphira were filled with greed and deceit. We find throughout um, the Acts narrative, and there's kind of this interesting arc where the high priests were also filled with jealousy. And it leads to this kind of interesting denouement in chapter 19, verse 29, where even the city of Ephesus was filled with confusion, which kind of leads to this, this Pandora's box where, man, Man, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with grace. But even as followers of Jesus, we can be filled with lust. We can be filled with pride. We can be filled with ambition, envy, greed, unforgiveness, resentment, and all sorts of dehumanizing habits. So my question is today, what are you filled with? So why are we talking about being filled? What's the purpose of being filled? Well, let me just say this really quick. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and we could take all these passages in Habakkuk, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, and we could telescope them together, and we get a picture that creation, everyone say creation. Creation is a temple, right? And God intends to fill creation or the cosmos with his generous love and presence. In fact, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9 says this, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full, everyone say full, of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So is it the waters the sea? It's kind of an interesting theological conundrum. How does the waters cover the sea? Well, it kind of, this, this text, this passage makes it pretty clear that creation is designed to be filled and flooded and not just um, flooded uh, in some parts, but drenched, all of creation, drenched in the loving presence of God. Let me say this again in another way. God intends to fill the whole cosmos, hear me, this is the ultimate goal of creation, the entire cosmos, not just, with, uh, not just parts of it, but all of it with his presence, with his glory, with his goodness. In fact, we go all the way back to Aristotle, give you a little bit of history. He came up with the Latin phrase. He coined it, hor vacui, is another way you could say it. But that means if you've taken a physics class, that means nature abhors a vacuum, right? And theor uh, theoretical physicists have postulated there's no such thing as true empty space, and I think we're pretty clear, Scott might disagree with me, but there's really, there's no such thing as true empty space. The universe, in other words, is filled with somethings. Everyone say somethings. In fact, space, if you went out in space, again, this is above like my, my um, education, but if you went in space, uh, there's no such thing again as true empty space. Space is filled with quantum stuff. So why are we talking about quantum stuff. What are, why are we talking about nature pours a vacuum? Well, science even shows us that God has designed creation itself to be filled with himself. To be filled. So here today, you might be struggling with, man, I, I want to enter into the fullness of God. Why am I not filled with God's fullness? Can I say this with no judgment? And can I say this with all grace? and maybe just play around with this idea, it might be the case that you are filled with something else. The ultimate goal of creation is to drench it, our bodies, our brains, our relationships, life itself, matter itself with God's presence. So the question is, okay, 
We kind of built a little case. This is good news. God wants to fill our lives. It's not some elusive thing that we never experience, right? Um, fullness, being filled with the Spirit is something that we can have as followers of Jesus. So how do we enter into that fullness? Well, I think the answer is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul says, hey, don't be filled with, with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. There are three senses to this word that kind of gives us a, a picture, maybe a composite picture of what Paul intends to say. Number one, to be filled with the Spirit is used in the imperative sense. In other words, to be filled with the Spirit is a command. It's not something that just, just happens automatically. Being filled with the Spirit, in a sense, has this idea that we are responsible. Everyone say responsible. That we are responsible to be filled with God's Spirit. It also means that being filled with the Spirit is not just for elite Christians. It's not just for charismaniacs. Right? Who I, I stopped because I was going to say some things that might offend some people. Um, but people that, um, we, I'll backtrack. I, I do think that when it comes to this command, we just assume that God wants to fill just a few people with his presence. No, the command implies a promise. God wants to fill every son and daughter with his wisdom, with his power, with his strength, with his glory, with his grace, with his healing. Come on. With his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, with his joy, with his peace, with his righteousness, with his goodness. Is anyone hearing me today? But it doesn't happen automatically. The command suggests that, man, we are responsible to open up our lives to the Holy Spirit. But remember, that's worked in juxtaposition with the idea that everybody can be filled with God's presence. The second sense that Paul uses when he says be filled with the Spirit is used in the passive sense. And in the words of one scholar, that simply means, this might sound counterintuitive to you today, the passive sense means it is not something we do to ourselves, but something done to us. In other words, we can't fill ourselves up with God. I know it sounds counterintuitive because, you, because you're like, Chris, you just said that, man, it's my responsibility, responsibility to be filled with the Spirit, and now you're saying I can't fill myself up with the Spirit. What gives? Well, you're right. It's a command. The command is to open up our lives to the Holy Spirit, but it is God, not us, who fills us with his presence. So everyone, I just want you to breathe a sigh of relief because I think many times when it comes to like talk like this, you got to be filled with the Spirit or you got to read your Bible, right? You're like, ah, hear me. Prayer, okay, I'll make something happen. Please hear me. Worship this week, okay. I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to try in my own strength. Within the context of praying, worshiping, reading my Bible, loving, loving my neighbor, right? Oh, it's going to be so hard. Larry, I can't stand Larry. 
right? Many of us, here's the problem, we work from um, not the passive assumption of this word. We think that it's entirely up to us to fill ourselves with love, with faith, with his presence, and it's not. You can't fill yourself up. Only God can do that. Are you hearing me? This is why, like many of you, you struggle with because you, and, and I, I can say this because this has always been my struggle when it comes to worry. Any worry, worriers out there? When it comes to worry or when it comes to anxiety or when it comes to anything, many of us try to, we try to attack the problem head on. And what I mean is we approach worry kind of like this. We try to stop worrying cold turkey, right? We're like, okay, today, I'm going to stop worrying today. And like you, you repeat it, like it's your mantra. I'm not worrying today. And after about 10, 10, 15, 20 minutes, you, you start worrying about everything, right? And you've heard me talk about like my, all my unfulfilled attempts at like eating right. Like it's so funny, when I try to attack eating right head on, I always lose. Right, maple bars is like my sin. It's just I love them so much. And uh, I've been in conversations with my wife, and I'm like, hey, babe, I just got to eat right and no maple bars. And that's it's a trigger word for me. And so, and not to be offensive, it's just, man, anytime I say it, I start thinking about it. And so when I try to stop, not, when I try to stop thinking about, you know, maple bars, it's weird how the bo- mind, body works. I start to think about it more. Right? And then after 20 minutes of telling my wife I'm never going to eat a maple bar again in my life, I'm at Albertsons eating five of them. <laughs> and my wife doesn't even know, right? <laughs> so here, hey, hey, here's the thing. You can't fill yourself up. you got to give up trying to overcome worry in your own strength. you got to breathe a sigh of relief this week. I cannot conquer worry, anxiety, depression, despair hopelessness, this lack of peace, this whatever is sideways in my life, this sex addiction, this porn addiction, this resentment, this pain, this trauma, this pride, this ambition, this greed, this jealousy, this envy. I can't. You have to give it up. I can't. You have to tell yourself, I can't conquer it in my own strength. You're designed to open up your heart to Jesus And you're designed to let Jesus, who's the one who fills you with himself. The third sense, really quick, is the continuous sense. um, The repeated sense. So we have a command. It's imperative. This is for all Christians, right? We have the responsibility to open up our heart to Jesus. It's used in the passive sense. A passive sense is we open up our heart to Jesus, and it's Jesus who fills us. And then we have this continuous repeated sense. Be filled with the Spirit, not just one time. Like, man, January 1, like, you go, let's just, let's do a thought experiment. Let's just say we all went to, like, uh, a steak. How many love steak? You got a cowboy ribeye. How many of you love a cowboy ribeye? With the bone in, right? Medium rare? With a little blue cheese crumbles on top? No? I love it, right? Let's just say we had the best meal in our life at, like, the best steakhouse in Boise. And then we tell each other, hey, we're good for the year. Right? You don't just eat. And obviously we would laugh it off, like, hey, you're joking. Right? Because we know fundamentally 
we are designed to continually be filled. This is how God has designed reality, life, and our life before him. We would never say, I'm just going to eat one meal this year. It's the greatest meal ever. And then I'm never going to eat until next year, January 1. Right? Here's the thing. I think a lot of Christians kind of think like that way with God. They have an encounter with Jesus maybe on a Sunday, maybe at a camp. They're like, I'm good. I'm good for five years. I got everything. Hey, you can never get all that God has for you. Here's the thing. If God gave you all of his goodness and all of his glory right now, it would be too much for you. Your body would probably melt like your face would probably melt like Indiana Jones. And so, yeah, if, if you're 40, you understand that reference. Right? We can't handle, like God is going to give you all of himself, but he has to give that incrementally because you can't handle all of God. Just think of this thought. Think of this thought. For the rest of eternity, you will be plumbing the depths and the texture of who God is. You cannot exhaust his goodness and his wisdom, right, and his grace. You can't. So we can never have enough of God, right? And this is why, and I'm not going to get too graphic here. This is I, I, uh, when I, I remember holding my wife's hand for the very first time, and it was electric, electric. I remember, man, it was like we were dating, and I asked her if I could hold her hand, and she's like, That's, you can hold my hand, you can kiss me too, and I'm like, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> is that a little too far? I said, no, I'm a, I'm a man of God, right? But she totally wanted me. Anyway. Um, I so, I'm so weird. Um, but I remember holding her hand. I never, like, I never looked at her and said, hey, this was an electric. Did you feel that? And then right after saying that, like, I'm good for the next five years. Like, you don't do that. If you're married, like, you don't want to kiss your spouse once. K kiss them 100,000 times. Can I get any man married couples? Right? Hold hands, right? We don't just do things things one time. And I think many people get confused with this and we think, man, we, we got God on a Sunday, or we got God at a camp meeting, or we got God at a conference, we went to Bethel, or we went to Hillsong, or we went to this, we got God, we're good for a year or six months. No, God has designed our life to be continually filled up with his presence. Are you hearing me? So this week, how do we enter? I'm going to land this plane and I'm going to pray for you and this is an act of God. I'm almost done. How do we enter into his fullness this week? I think we have to work from the assumption, number one, that God wants to meet with us more than we want to meet with him. Hear me. God wants to meet with us more than, he want, than we want to meet with him. Not to say that we don't want to meet with him. Some of you, you desperately know in your bones you need God. But that is nothing in comparison how God wants to meet with you. In fact, God wants to meet with you so bad, right, you should be surprised if God does not fill you. Isn't it funny we've kind of flipped it where we actually get surprised when God meets with us? We're like, oh, you actually exist, right? 
We should live lives as followers of Jesus. Not suggest, this is not suggesting a soggy triumphalism where we never go through any problems, we never go through difficulties. I'm merely suggesting that as we go through circumstances, as we go through hard times, we shouldn't be surprised that God will give us exactly what we need when we need it. Like this week, I'm pre- if I'm not preaching to anybody in this room, I'm preaching to me. This week was one of those weeks for me. Like, I was worrying about everything. And I'm like, God, I don't know if I have the energy. I don't, know have the str- I don't know if I have the strength to do what I feel like you're calling me to do in this season. And I remember I started just meditating on Ephesians 5, 18. I'm like, okay, God, Lord, you said it in your word. And right now, I don't have a lot of energy. And I'm preparing for 45,000 kids, right, whatever. I'm trying to get my mind right here. How are we going to do this? And I simply had to make a decision, God, I believe you want to fill me more than I want to be filled. This is where we have to start if we want to negotiate all the difficulties in life. In fact, Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Spirit, is Paul's prerequisite for living in this world. In fact, Paul is essentially saying that if you want to stay in God's love... If you want to stand in God's victory, if you want to wrestle the cosmic powers, if you want to love your neighbor, if you want to embody the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to do what God has called you to do and build for the kingdom of Jesus, you have to be filled with his spirit. But the good news is God wants to fill you more than you want him to fill you. In fact, Revelation 3.20 says this. I love this passage. Behold, This is Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. Who's knocking? Not you or or I. It, It kind of implies maybe a little sleepiness on the other side of the door. It's Jesus who takes the initiative. Not the people on the other side of the door. Hear me. It's Jesus who stands at the door and knock. Right? Isn't it funny how when it comes to prayer, we usually, what's the song? Knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. Right? Is that a song? Uh, is that a song? Okay, okay, that's a song. Here's the thing, that's, so, that's bad theology. Like when we think of prayer, we think like somehow we're, we're knocking on heaven's door and the doors or the gates of heaven are somehow shut and somehow we have to coerce God to do something for us. No, 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 no. We're not the ones who take the initiative in prayer. We're not the ones knocking on the gate of heaven. No, it's Jesus every day who stands at the door of our hearts, who's knocking. Jesus wants to be with us. Jesus wants to be with us. It's important to understand that. Number one, remember this week, we got to start from this assumption, God wants to be with us. Number two, this is how we enter into fullness. Paul, throughout the book of Ephesians, has been talking about prayer. The prayer, praying, is the context for being filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to get technical here today. I can get really technical, but let me just say this. Many people think when it comes to prayer, the prayer is complicated, it's confusing, there's all these theological conundrums, all I feel is the absence of God. Like, there's a lot of different difficulties that people experience, right, when they come to prayer. Prayer is hard for some people. Prayer is boring. I get it. We've all experienced it. But Revelation 3.20 gives us this beautiful picture of what prayer is like. And I want you to hear me. 
It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, right, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. In the words of one scholar, prayer, in other words, is not sterile. It's not some complicated thing that we're trying to figure out, right? It's not coercing God to do anything for us. Prayer is like having dinner with old friends. Better yet, prayer is like sitting around a table and having a conversation with Jesus. It's like having a banquet. And I'm going to talk more about this over the next few months. But prayer is like having a banquet filled with the abundance of things based on a conversational relationship with Jesus. In fact, I was, I was thinking about this last night. I was praying for today, and God took me to John 21. I felt, I felt like this was the Holy Spirit. And uh, the passage in John 21 is when Jesus is on the shore, and uh, the, the disciples are fishing all night. They see Jesus. Uh, Peter jumps into the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, goes up on the shore. Jesus is cooking some fish, right? I love it. It's such a beautiful passage. All the disciples gather around. And the first thing that Jesus says is what? Come and have breakfast with me. This is what prayer is like. Prayer is like sitting around a table, eating some food, having a conversation with Jesus. Prayer is like having breakfast on the shore as the, as the, as the waters break onto, onto the sand. And then we have Peter in this beautiful conversation where Jesus forgives Peter, gives him his vocation back, restores him heals him. That is what prayer is like. Prayer is not some sterile exercise where we, we recite theological mantras. No, prayer is like having breakfast with Jesus himself. Prayer is a banquet. Prayer is man sitting around a table, eating some food, having some really good conversation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has all the answers that you need. The problem is a lot of people don't believe that. We make prayer really complicated. So this is what I want to call us into. I want us this week to commit ourselves to, a, to prayer. And I want us to reimagine prayer around a table having a conversation with Jesus. Like how am I going to pray? Well, just structure some time, right? Get away from, this is simple stuff, get away from like normal life. Open up your heart. And just start talking to Jesus. I guarantee you, prayer, like breakfast or eating with Jesus, will become a dominant reality as you commit to it. Like some of you are like, that doesn't make sense, Chris. Prayer for me has always been hard. I don't like to pray. I get that. But prayer, prayer, prayer is way more than you think it is. And it's in prayer that God fills us. With every, hear me please, with every good thing. Every good thing is connected to prayer. So we believe this week, and this is our plan of action, this is how we enter into, into the fullness of God. Number one, we, we have to believe that God wants to meet with us more than we want to meet with him. Number two, we have to commit to spending time with Jesus. And number three, I think we got to repent. I, I had this conversation with interns as I close, and I want to pray for us. This week, was with the interns, I was talking about repentance. We usually think of repentance as like coming up to the front, right, giving your life to Jesus, getting religion, you know. 
not smoking, not doing cocaine, all that kind of stuff. Those are good things. Don't do that, right? Can I get an amen to that? We think of repentance as like, like, you know, crying and all that kind of stuff, and it certainly can include that. But repentance, I love the linguistic world of the Bible because repentance comes from a Greek word, metnoia. Metnoia simply means to go beyond the mind that you have. In fact, repentance means to embrace the worldview of Jesus. It's to conform your entire life around how Jesus sees you, your kids, your money, the world, everything about you. Even if the world and circumstances are screaming otherwise, repentance is turning away from all that and turning yourself and opening up your life to the King of Kings who sees all things. That's repentance. We have to, I think, in order for us to be filled with God's fullness, I think we have to be willing to repent of things that we've filled our lives with. Are you hearing me? That in fundamental ways have blocked what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Here's the thing. You can't be filled with God's wisdom and grace and glory and his presence and also be filled with deceit and confusion. Hear hear what I'm saying? I know there are gradations to this. I get that. No one in this room is perfect. Can I get an amen? So hear what I'm saying, mutatis mutandis, that there are gradations to this. This is why we have this big theological word called sanctification, that we're all on a journey. But in this journey, there is a sense that, man, you cannot operate by being filled with two different kinds of realities, right? You can't be filled with addictions and despair and hopelessness or worry or pride or ambition or greed or resentment and at the same time be filled with God's wisdom. Those two will crowd each other out. Are you hearing me? So maybe we, maybe we need to repent of things, right? And as I close, I want to pray for us. Could it be the case that some of us are just filled with stuff that crowds out what God wants to do in our lives? And it's as simple as that. And what if we just today, in a collective way, we, we made a decision to say, okay, God, I want, to, I, want, I want to enter into your fullness this week. Not just this week, but this fall. Can I just tell you something? Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Please hear me. I really do believe that God has big things for this church and for this city this fall. And not just for our church, but all the churches in this city. I believe God wants to do big things in your life. I believe God wants to fill you with his fullness. But in order for us to be filled with his fullness, we have to turn away from other things that have been filling us so so that we can have all that God has for us today. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I, I just, as your eyes are closed, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is just saying, hey, and I, I feel this strong, and I, I always want to be careful with God talk. So please hear me. I'm not saying this flippantly, but I really believe the Holy Spirit is is asking us as a community, how bad do we want him? I think some of us today, 
we need to turn away from the, the lack of surrender in our lives to Jesus. Can we talk like that in church? Is that okay? I think some of us, maybe our issue is not that, hey, God doesn't, we know this, I made the case, it's not that God doesn't want to fill your life with his goodness and presence and life and peace and joy. I think it might be the case for some of us that we haven't totally surrendered to him. And as your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, you'd say, that's me, Chris. I'm filled with some stuff that I need to get rid of. And I know, I know it's crowding out what I believe Jesus wants to do, not just in me, but through me. And if that's you, I'd like to pray for you. On the count of three, you would say, Chris, I want today, I want this week, I want this fall to be filled with God's spirit. I wanna open up my life to whatever Jesus wants. I wanna surrender to him. I wanna turn away from some stuff that I've been filling my mind with, stuff that I've been filling my heart with. This might not even be bad things, it could be good things. But good things that have taken the place of God's ultimate role in your life, and you need to repent of those things. Whatever it might be, again, there's no judgment. This is grace. Everyone say grace. As your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, you'd say, Chris, could you pray for me? If that's you, you want me to pray for you? On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Many of you. All right, put your hands down. Could you take your hand? put it on your heart. I want to pray for us. Jesus, we turn away from everything that has kept us from being filled with your spirit. Lord, we just thank you for your grace today. Lord, I, I thank you that your word is clear that those who confess their sin, you are faithful and just to cleanse Lord, you are faithful and just to make us new, to put us right. And I thank you that you're putting us right. Lord, you're helping us to, to place all things that have filled us that are antithetical to your way, your kingdom. By your spirit, I thank you those things are being reprioritized. They're being right now by the Holy Spirit removed from our lives. And I thank you, Jesus, you're doing a new thing in us. Our desire this week is to be filled with your spirit. So we just say yes to you, Jesus. We surrender our lives to your grace. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. I want to do one last thing. I rarely do this, but I feel like I need to do it. If you if you want to make that commitment this week, this fall, to be filled with God's presence, I would like you to come up to the front and I want to pray for you. You're like, Chris, that's me. I want to be filled with God's presence. I just want you to come up to the front. I want to pray for you. Just hurry. Just come on. This week, this month, this next season, you're like, I need God. I need him, I need him, I need him.
You can scoot in. How many sense the presence of Jesus here right now? I sense the presence of God. Though we know we can't do what God's called us to do without his, his presence. What does the Bible say? It's not by might nor by power, but, by, but it's by his spirit. So church, could you stretch forth your hands and uh, as we pray for the people up front. If you're up front, could you just bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we just right now, take authority over worry and anxiety. I think some of you have been really struggling with anxiety. We take authority over that now in Jesus' name. I, I see you by your spirit removing that from people's minds. Whatever that, whatever the source is to that anxiety, I thank you for removing that. Fear, worry, I thank you that perfect love, everyone say perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. I just see you right now, Holy Spirit, you're casting out fear from our lives. Our lives are no longer going to be filled with fear, but with faith. And I thank you as we're up here, our hands are outstretched, whatever. I thank you by your presence. You're already doing it right now. But I, I, just, I just say yes to it. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are now filling and drenching every son and daughter right now with your presence in your spirit. Some of you need wisdom. I thank you, God, for giving your people wisdom. Some of you are confronting, and I, there's, there's, I don't know, not kind of the sense that I have is like you're on a fork in a ro uh, road, right? You're trying to figure out what to do. Maybe there's a big decision you need to make. I don't, I'm not quite sure what that means. I think some of you need to hear this. God this week is going to give you a fresh gift of wisdom, and you're just going to know what you're supposed to do. Thank you, Father. So we thank you, Father, for filling us with wisdom. Wisdom, 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 wisdom in Jesus' name. Some of you need a healing in your body. We just thank you for healing. We receive healing in our bodies. Fill us with your healing presence right now. If you need healing, you're up front. Could you just, like, wave your hand? I want to pray for you. Okay. Lord, we just thank you for your healing power, Jesus. By your stripes, we're made whole. Thank you, Father. Though we don't have, we're not conjurers. This isn't tricking people. I'm not trying to emotionally manipulate anyone in this room. We just thank you right now in your presence, you're healing bodies. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you now. If you could take your hand, if you're standing up front, put it on your heart. I'm going to pray one last thing. I ask right now that you would fill us overflowing with your spirit. Uh, we want to fight the good fight of faith. We want to stay in your love. We want to stand in victory. We want to build for your kingdom. Lord, we want to do what you've called us to do. And we thank you right now, by your spirit, you're filling us with all, everyone say this, all good things. You're filling us with all good things so that we can do what you have called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I just want, to, I want you to wait just for 30 seconds. Keep your eyes closed. Just with an attitude of prayer. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, many of you. Just open up your heart. Listen to the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Father, for your grace.